0: This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. The Hog Sports Network presents the Basketball Podcast of Mid America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast covering the Razorbacks' men's and women's teams. Here's your host, WholeHogSports.com basketball analyst Scotty Bordelon.
1: Welcome into the Basketball Podcast of Mid America. It is November 30th. I've got Ethan Westerman of Whole Hog Sports and Blake Sutton of the Hog Sports Network with me for the second basketball podcast of Mid-America this week because we promised if Arkansas beat Duke on Wednesday night in the ACC-SEC Challenge, we would do another one. Arkansas beat Duke, so we're back. Big Piggy.
2: Big Woo. You know, you know how we do. do. That's a credit to Jeremiah Davenport after the game. Um, he had the bar of the night,
1: I think. Some post-game locker room footage posted to Arkansas's basketball Twitter account and... Was, I'm pretty sure he said Big Piggy. I, 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 every time I listen to it, I hear that.
2: It, I don't know what else it could have been. I think it was Big Piggy, Big Woo. You know how we do. I think we got it. And here's the thing. I clearly didn't know how we do because I went on this podcast approximately three days ago. Was it three days ago? I'm losing Monday. track of time. Monday. And I said they were going to lose by double digits. So I didn't know how we do. Um, Scotty, you did. you. Anybody who is listening to this, Scotty is... I've learned this in my time working with Scotty. He's phenomenal at picking games. I don't know if (laughs) y'all see our college football picks each week, but Scotty has got a gift. You beat us in our... We did yearly pick-ems, attracted over over every single college football week, and I think Scotty ended up by the last week beating us by, like... I think second place was within eight games of you or something.
1: I think the final record I had was, like, 94-26 and or something like that. I think there were... I can't remember how many games we picked. It was so there was 120 games. So maybe it was, I think I got at least 90 right.
2: Yeah. All this to say, Scotty is should have just the moment I heard Scotty say on Monday that he thinks Arkansas is going. I should have absolutely wiped my prediction and said, "Hey, on second thought, you've convinced me." Uh, but yeah, I was very wrong. Um, and wow, just what a game, man.
1: I'm I'm not the pat myself on the back type of guy, but I think. Dude, you cover Eric Musselman long enough, you just kind of of get a feeling about certain games. And, I mean, Duke was coming into town, and I wrote back in June that that game was going to be a moment in time if Arkansas played well in the Bahamas. Arkansas didn't play well in the Bahamas, and it was still a freaking night that we'll remember for a really, really long time. And, you know, I mentioned the other day that Arkansas's record under Eric with, you know, four-plus days between games. They're now 28-5 and five in those games, and Arkansas' next six games come after at least four days off. So I think I said at the sports club on Wednesday, it was like I think that this is kind of the way that the games are laid out. It's, it's almost perfect for, you know, the way that – or the state of the team coming back from the Bahamas – I think that's kind of it's pretty nice. Like, obviously, Eric was asked about having some, like, not playing again until Monday. He's like, why well, we're not playing on the weekend? I don't know. But, you know, it's rest for a guy like Tremont Mark, who didn't play against Duke. Um, and there's some guys that that played a lot of minutes, were counted on really heavily. Like, Trevin Brazil played 38 minutes, which is it's phenomenal. Um, you get some rest for, some guys who today were probably pretty heavy-legged and played and scrapped and fought in a really physical game, I thought. So um I think it's a pretty good stretch of games coming up for Arkansas.
2: Oh, with, yeah. They with got- all those
1: kind of the, the – you're not playing like Monday and then Thursday and then kind of in that cycle.
2: Yeah. I think that after the Purdue exhibition, which, I mean, was an exhibition, so it's like – needed to take it, not as a grain of salt because it did teach you some things, but it was, I mean, it's kind of hard to like get done playing a game like that and then go through the stretch they did of, those weren't bad teams, but I mean, you have, you look at the schedule now, you're like, okay, Furman, you saw what they did in the NCAA tournament last year. Oklahoma is ranked right now. It's kind of like, I think that the schedule fell good for them that this Duke game happened before not maybe another stretch of games against teams like Alcorn State, you know, um, because, I think we talked a little bit about it last night. We think maybe they got a false sense of security from that Purdue sure. game and yeah. then kind of the opponents that they were playing afterwards, which an Eric Musselman team is going to – he's going to always – I don't think he has a false sense of security, but sometimes the players, I mean, it's just kind of inevitable. Um,
1: it's, so, yeah, it's human nature, I yeah. feel like, for sure.
2: But for you look at the schedule ahead, I'm like, okay, I think that the next two games have should have their full attention um, – just knowing what those teams are capable of.
1: Fellas, I think we're going to be talking about November 29th, 2023, for a long time. I mean, Arkansas football officially announced Bobby Petrino is going to be its offensive coordinator moving forward. Nine hours later, Arkansas beats Duke, um, partied at the Palace. Like, it was – the students from the top deck that were in the student section in the upper deck started flowing down to rush the court with like four or five minutes left in the game, I think. And Arkansas made it a little hairy at the end. But, got yeah, Devo subbed in late in the game. He was able to, um, you know, draw some fouls and, and get to the free throw line and kind of seal the thing. Um, but before we get into breaking down, I guess the 80-75 win just – Y'all's thoughts on the scene, the atmosphere last night, and just kind of everything that went into it. I mean, it was a record crowd, 20,344 folks crammed into that place.
3: Yeah, um, it, it was a sight to see on on TV, you know, this the whiteout. They, you know, pulled that off pretty successfully. Um, hearing national media talk about it a lot, especially, you know, I think they said that this was uh, Jay belis's first time to even go to Bud Walton Arena. And he's a Duke graduate, but I mean, he, his you know review was was glowing of Bud Walton Arena. I think he said it, it's a, a bucket list arena for for people now. Mm-hmm. After he went and um, to see his alma mater get beat there, you know, it's even kind of a, a bigger testament to the atmosphere too that you know he kind of got over that and just had to kind of uh, acknowledge what what an incredible atmosphere it was.
2: It's kind of weird to me that like just because of what all was surrounding with Bobby Petrino and like all the excitement around that, that it's almost like it was cool that like students had camped out outside how they did, but it's almost like you forgot that that was it. like, I don't know. It's almost like just the atmosphere and everything hit you all at once. Oh, there's so much
1: going on, man. There's just
2: so much going on that it's like you, it's like, at least for me, I mean, I saw the photos of all the, the tents out, but it was kind of like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then you get in the arena, you're like, oh, wait, this is like, it's it's here. This is, I don't know. It just, I think with everything going on, all the buzz, it just hit you all at once. And whenever it was like 35 minutes before tip and it's already just a complete buzz in there and I'm looking around trying to find like the puck, I'm like, sometimes before a game that you're expecting there to be a big crowd, you're looking around like in advance. You're like, oh, are these this looks like too many empty seats right now. Can this all fill in? And you looked at 35 minutes. I'm like, I'm barely seeing like empty seats. Like there's no chance this isn't going to fill out. And my goodness, that was electric. I mean, you set the program record for um, home attendance. So I, that's like, I feel like all you really got to say. I mean, you had on the, to, it
1: was on the 30 year anniversary of the first game in the building. Too. Yeah,
2: it, in Eric Musselman's 100th win, it kind of just, it's funny because of course you want to win in the bahamas and get his hundredth win there but just the way that everything ended up playing out i mean couldn't have made for probably more of a just like i guess you could have made for a more exciting night had arkansas been ranked but i mean just like still having eric's hundredth win happen there having it be the 30th year anniversary of the first game ever in the arena it being duke who um was your national championship win in 1994 on, and you did it on Nolan Richardson court with him in attendance. I mean, it was kind of like, it was a moment in time. It's exactly what you said might happen, just a little bit different way about it.
3: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the happiest person in the arena is probably Hunter Yurchak because if you just go back a few days ago, the emotions surrounding the Arkansas athletic department were not good. You had, you know, the going one and two in Atlantis. You had the blowout against Missouri. People just were really upset, really weren't happy. You know, you see a lot of fans questioning Hunter Jerichek's performance and saying, you know, yeah, he has all this success in other sports, but, you know, football's the big one and now basketball's struggling. But what a turnaround. I mean, you have the the Arkansas Edge announcement, then the Petrino announcement, and then the next day, yeah, you set up. A record of attendance for bud walton and beat duke i mean this couldn't have you couldn't have drawn up a better script for for hunter
1: urichek in the past few days yeah. the the vibes went from zero to 100 about in the time just a matter of like four or five days
2: about the time we were recording this podcast last on monday it was like simultaneously with pete thamble dropping this bobby vitrino news so we were we were here recording the moment that i just feel like the vibes got flipped completely upside their head i mean it's been a complete, like, just the excitement. And you feel a buzz here again. It's, it's, like, I mean, last night was just so electric. And, I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, you have dead balls. Like, there's a basketball game going on. It's not, like, a f- official timeout. It is just a dead ball, and they're about to end it. Yeah, Eric Musselman it. gets
1: the attention of one of the game officials because they're bringing the ball up, and the shot clock is sitting at 11. <laughs> he runs up to the official.
2: Yeah. It's just funny, though. It's like, you're... And but the craziest part about it all is it's like all this is happening and it's like a huge basketball game and you're just hearing Bobby chants. I'm like, we are in the middle of a game and the, the crowd is chanting Bobby. I mean,
1: at least a half dozen. We want Bobby chants last night. Like, bar, like minimum.
2: Yeah, half and dozen. it's so funny. The photo, fo- like Hank Layton, does such a good job getting photos for us. Just the photos that you got of Petrino sitting up there. There, he just looks so happy. It's like he. He's got to, I mean, be eating it up a little bit. you got to think, right? Yeah, daddy's home. Yeah. That's, what, that's what everybody
1: in the building felt like. A couple of other things, like you mentioned the um, kind of the, the buzz that you felt before the game. I kind of started feeling that while I was waiting to be let into the media entrance. Daryl Walker walks by. He's in his full UALR jumpsuit. Like he had that jumpsuit on, boy. And right behind him, Sam Presti, GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, walking in and Ronnie Brewer's running up and down stairs, like trying to make sure everybody who needs to get in and has like should get the VIP treatment is getting it and then get, get seated uh, on media row. And I kind of look across just like a, maybe a section past the student section, Sam Pressy's just sitting in in the middle of, of one of the sections, just like a normal dude. And then I'm 99% sure that Nick Collison was sitting right next to him. I think he's a special assistant with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was told before the game yesterday that there were um, at least 23 scouts from at least 21 teams credentialed for that game, and then there were other scouts and you know team reps that bought tickets on the secondary market just to to get in the building. Um, Mike Haywood, who's Arkansas's team spokesman, he told us last night. We kind of went over and talked to him. It was like 1 30 in the morning, dude. We shouldn't have even been walking out on the court to go talk to him. I had lost did. all sense of time. He said that he literally ran out of credentials. Like they ran out of credentials for everybody. He said, what he said, 90, 90, about 90 credentials. It was just, it was, I mean, it was a, I think I closed that column that I wrote in the summer. It was like, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of stories to tell from Arkansas Duke on November 29th. And we're, Like 20 minutes into this, we haven't even talked about the freaking game yet. Yeah. I I do want to say
3: something about Presti. I'm a big Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and, you know, Presti likes Arkansas players, obviously. you got Jalen Williams and Isaiah Joe both playing for the Thunder. The Thunder are really good right now. Probably not going to get a lottery pick, but they have the Clippers' first-round pick, and the Clippers are really struggling. And who knows, maybe Presti was there to potentially think about maybe getting Trevin Brazil with that
1: Clipper pick. Who knows? Something to think about. Blake Blake's back there connecting dots, son.
2: If you get three Arkansas Razorbacks on the Oklahoma City Thunder, I mean, if people haven't already done it, just adopt that as your team, man. Like, if you don't have one,
1: I mean, they got. I mean, Jalen Williams incredibly likable. um, Unless you are Tennessee. Or and you're Rick going Barnes. up for a layup. Yeah, unless you're Anthony Edwards now, yeah. probably. <laughs> um, Isaiah Joe covered him in high school. Phenomenal kid, phenomenal family. Jay Will's family same way. They get, I mean, this is crazy thinking, but um, they get Trevin Brazil too. I mean, I might have to switch my allegiance from from Phoenix to, to OKC, or I might just have to adopt them as a as a second team.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean that's going to be like Fayetteville West. You, I mean you could potentially i mean there's there's lots of times where you where Jalen Williams and Isaiah Joe are both on the floor together i mean if you there's potentially you could have three razorbacks on the floor for the thunder
2: at one time I mean
3: that's just and crazy it, to think about
2: of course this is just full like we're getting so far ahead of ourselves speculation but I mean, man, I did look over to Scotty last night I, I it was after the game. And I said, I feel like Trevor and Brazil might have earned himself some money for sure tonight. And it's funny because we had just got done talking Monday about like what's in for him. And like we talked about like the perimeter game. And I mean, I just think right now that is his strength. And he he was so good from three last night. I mean, that was huge in the whole outcome of the game. Just the way that he it was, You needed that guy in a game like that who n- sets the tone of like, we're not, the moment isn't too big for us. And, I mean, he comes out in the first couple minutes and hits some big shots. I think that gets the whole team, whenever you're seeing, like one of your leaders like that is hitting big shots right off the bat, it gets the whole team settled in. Like, all right, let's go.
1: I thought he was the perfect amount of edgy last night, which is where I think that perfect medium of, I'm not here to screw around tonight. Like, that's that's where his mentality needs to be. Um, Hank got some banger pictures of, of TB last night just, you know, when he had the volleyball spike block that led to the laden blocker layup on the other end. That was a huge play. And then, you know, like you mentioned, the perimeter shooting hit a career-high four threes on on seven attempts. It wasn't like he made four threes, but he needed to take a dozen to get there. I mean, he was really good. And, you know, he we talked to the other night. Like last night he made more non-offensive rebound two-point field goals Last night than he did in three games in the Bahamas, and that jumper that he hit, I think from the free throw line, the and one jumper. I wasn't crazy about the shot, but what are you going to do, man? I mean, that's a that was a I thought that was a it was a pro move. Um, we can get into the game, I imagine, soon. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting or kind of really funny from the press conference last night, um, Bob brought up to Eric that. Last night was his 100th win, and Eric goes 100th win where? He's like, I've got him got 100 at Nevada, got 100 in the G League, um, and then he joked. He said, you know, now that I think about it, Hunter check hasn't given me my um, a commemorative basketball for my 100th wins. The AD at, at Nevada did that, and then he goes, I guess Hunter Yurcheck's been occupied of late. <laughs> and it just like it brought the room, like the the press conference room was was kind of in stitches at that point just kind of a perfect way to describe the whole week like Eric gets this milestone on a huge night for the program um had a lot of people feeling like it was the 90s again I just thought it felt like Eric Musselman's got Arkansas back on the map era yep. you know what I mean like he's Arkansas now had a couple of these games like this like it Two since February 2022, so what is that? I can't do math real well, but that's 21 months. They've had two games like that in 21 months. That's what Eric Musselman's done for the program. Um, last thing, where does last night lie for you in terms of loudest environments in Bud? Because I think three that we that we've personally experienced was it? I know you had a you had a front row seat literally for the Calipari ejection, right? Yep, you were. I, I don't know, Ethan, former manager um with Mike Anderson and and year one with Eric, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Too. And so you were on mop duty for the Kentucky yes. game, right?
2: It, yeah. Managers rotate duty. Like somebody I don't even know if this is still how they do it. At least whenever I did like somebody's usually on mop duty, somebody's doing doing towels, somebody's doing like water bottles, somebody, uh at least for part of the time I did it was like live statting the game a little bit like on a computer. Um or, like, clipping it for later. Anyways, there's a lot of roles. That one game, the Calipari game, I was on op duty. And so I was on the basket facing, like, the Kentucky bench. So I did. That was electric for me. Cause I mean, but last night takes the cake, in my opinion, for the loudest. Like, that was so rowdy last night. I. It's, it's hard for me to compare it to the Auburn game. It really is. For some reason, it feels like so similar. Cause it was a wide out and, like, yeah. I just think, I just think it was more electric last night. Just in general, because of the like, bo- think I really do think Bobby Petrino gave this thing played a definite factor. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Petrino literally gave it an edge over the Auburn game because it was just such a bizarre. You're you're sitting there, you're like, is this actually happening right now? Is are, do we really have Bobby Petrino in the stands and we have Bobby Chance while Arkansas is playing the Duke Blue Devils in Fayetteville with Nolan Richardson here and they're playing on his court. It was just a really weird like so many eras of Arkansas happening at once. But like at the same it was like all these eras coming together and but it was like this is in the now though, if that makes sense. It was yeah. like this is it almost felt like an introduction to like you're in the Muscleman era.
1: Oh, for sure. I think there's a I think there's a difference difference in loud and rowdy and I tweeted I think when Maybe Arkansas went up 14 after Caleb Battle banged another three and shimmied to the bench. I said I thought thought the arena was rowdy like Arkansas-Auburn a couple of seasons ago, and then some. I think it was rowdier last night than it was for that Auburn game. I think the Auburn game is still the loudest I've heard it. I think it was in terms of loud, I'd go Auburn game, last night Cal ejection but the Cal ejection and last night were very close rowdy I would go probably last night Auburn and then Cal like it was just yeah I, I, get th- I, think, I think I think I think the fact that it's Calapari that got ejected makes us it was loud no doubt about it yeah. no question about it but I think it's because of The Calipari name, Kentucky. That I think I think that was kind of romanticize it a little bit. For
2: comparing those three games, I think that game and that moment was the loudest moment of any of those three games, just because it was like, I mean, such a like a concrete like this is crazy. The Calipari is getting ejected. Like I think that was loudest moment, loudest game. I think might have been – this is so weird to compare these, but I think Auburn might have been like loudest game, but then last night was just so electric. Like It was like last yeah. night people were ready to celebrate before it even started just because everything else going on. It's like people – you didn't have to have the the tip off before people were just already in a good mood. The yeah. like Auburn game was kind of like – I don't know. I feel like more like people kind of on the edge of their seats like we're playing the number one team. It was like kind of a – I think the Auburn game was more maybe like surprising. Like we just did that. Last night was just kind of like we're ready to be excited about life again.
1: Yeah. I think the um, the loudest I've heard that building was the Auburn game. Walker Kessler's at the free throw line, and the first free throw that he shoots like hits the top right corner of the square. <laughs> it was that loud, dude. And I'm not joking. I think the crowd made him miss free throws, and that's the loudest I've ever heard the building. Um, and then I think last night and Cal are you know 2A, 2B. Um, man, all of that has happened since Eric Musselman got here. Isn't that crazy to think about? And I don't see it going. Don't see it going anywhere. I mean, the man watched 14 hours of tape on a travel day coming home. Watched more tape than he ever has in his life. Got things figured out. Game plan discipline was was great. Last night made for one of the more memorable nights that that Arkansas's, Arkansas Arkansas basketball has ever had in Bud Walton Arena. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about the basketball game. How about that? We'll get into Trevin Brazil, Caleb Battle, L. Ellis, um, and then Chandler
0: Lawson, Ultimate Glue Guy. We'll talk about them on the other side of the break. Get the latest breaking news on all Arkansas Razorback sports at wholehogsports.com. Our award-winning reporters and photographers go beyond game recaps to bring our subscribers the most trusted Razorbacks news anywhere. With expert analysis, the latest in recruiting, plus unique and compelling stories of your favorite teams. Subscribe today at wholehogsports.com.
1: Welcome back into to the basketball podcast of MidAmerica. I promise this time we're going to talk ball because the game was great. The atmosphere was phenomenal. The game itself was great too. Arkansas played for probably 36 minutes, 36 plus minutes. It's best, most complete game of the year. Uh, especially given the, the the competition, what stood out to me was you know, I mentioned it right before we hit the, hit the break. Just the game plan discipline was phenomenal, and I think that's something that Eric kind of talked about in the lead up to this game. There was so little time to get a game plan together and hammer it home with guys. Like you're just having to do it in walkthroughs. Like you can't really do a bunch of you can't do a bunch of stuff on the floor with these quick turnarounds, but two days on the floor, Monday and Tuesday, after a couple of days off, which Eric, I don't think he said he's ever had a team that took like two full days off. And one of them obviously was travel. Um, you probably jet lagged a little bit coming home, get Sunday off. Monday, you're back on the floor at two o'clock. Monday, you're on the floor at two o'clock. Tuesday, practicing again. They were just, they were so dialed in to, to whatever the the game plan was. I think that's what stuck out to me most, and then you know Kyle Filipowski, All America forward for Duke, great player, sophomore, um, gonna get drafted for sure. Okay. He could be a, he could be the guy that that Sam Presky takes if he doesn't, if he passes on TB potentially. Um, he he goes for twenty six and ten, and seriously, Arkansas limited him because their game plan for him was was so good. I looked, at, I looked at the stat broadcast last night. He finished with 26. 17 of his 26 points came in the last nine minutes. What did you think of, of the job that, that Arkansas did on Filipowski? And obviously the two early fouls um, helped Arkansas out a bit, but still when he was on the floor, Chandler Lawson was just phenomenal on him.
3: Yeah, you could tell that getting Filipowski in foul trouble was part of the game plan because I remember when he got his second foul early in the first half, Trevin Brazil, he looked like he had smoke coming out of his ears and flames coming out of his. He was he was like so pumped, and looking at the sideline, you know, because it was like we did it, like we we accomplished part of the game plan. We got
1: Filipowski in foul trouble early, so you could you could definitely tell that was part of it. I think I think there's a definite, hey, let's put him in ball screens early and see if we can't have L Ellis get really low to the floor and have L like drive off one of his hips, that kind of thing. I think that's what. I think that second foul, at least the first foul, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't rewatched the full game yet. Um, I just watched the the second half this morning. What did you think? I mean, they knew Filipowski yeah. wanted to spin baseline almost every post touch. They were they seemed
2: like they were ready for it. And I think that um, honestly, it was really just big <clears throat> that Arkansas led by one at the half. Um, Shire uh, John Shire actually said this after the game. He said. We're thinking down one at half, we feel pretty good. Now we get Filipowski back, but it wasn't the collective toughness that you have to have on the road with some of those stops. He said that the beginning of the second half was key. That's what was what impressed me. Is like you accomplished getting him in foul trouble early. You're still, I mean, you go to the halftime, you're pleased with the one-point lead, but you're kind of thinking, okay, they're getting this guy. He's not really going to be in his head about fouls anymore, and you – then you just take it to him in the first few minutes of the second half. I think that's what impressed me. Um, you talk about short turnarounds with Eric Musselman teams. Talk about the short turnaround of a halftime where he dissects um, what needs to change, and then they turn it around like they did last night. That's what impressed me. I mean, it seemed to me like he was – until he started getting in a groove late in the game, like you said, scoring-wise. But I think that the early foul trouble, like even when he first got back, maybe – just, like, not being in the game. Like, I, I think a guy like him just isn't used to not being as involved in the game at that point, like, used to just being, like, kind of the dude. Um, so, yeah, the early foul trouble was huge. I mean, I made a note of it as soon as it happened last time. I mean, I'm always just kind of sitting there writing down things that um, that I see are staying out, and I'm like, Filipowski, two fouls five minutes into the game. I mean, that is – that's game-changing right there. For sure. Yeah. Um,
1: Hog stats put out this tweet last night or probably early this morning, if we're being honest, Arkansas blocked five of Filipowski's shots tied for the most blocked shots on a single player since that stat started being tracked in 2019, 20 Arkansas also blocked. Uh, I believe it was a kid from Gardner Webb, Caleb Robinson also blocked his shot five times. This is a good shot blocking team. Um, Arkansas had 10 last night. It was the second time this season they've had double-digit blocks. And Arkansas right now is eighth nationally in block percentage at 16.9%. So that block percentage, it's not – like it doesn't – I don't believe it factors in three-point shots blocked, which Trevor Brazil's blocked, I think, two or three of those this year. So Arkansas has blocked 16.9% of opponents' two-point field goal attempts this year, eighth in the country. That's – that's phenomenal. Um, L- uh, go ahead. Didn't Lawson have like six blocks? Had six, yeah. Yeah, I remember a, a few
3: games ago they showed a graphic about his wingspan. He has like a seven four wingspan. Seven or something. seven, dude. Okay, I was yeah, I can't believe I was underselling. I thought I would might be overselling it at seven four, but they they compared it to a few guys in the NBA and it was like it was it was longer than Giannis.
1: It was longer than Embiid. It's, I mean, it's insane how long uh, it's arms He's like, it's. I looked at this website. I think it's called Crafted. NBA in the preseason because I did a column for HI on Chandler Lawson and his wingspan is 7'7". Seven, seven. If he was in the NBA right now, um, I think he'd have the fifth longest wingspan. And it's like the same as Bull Bowl who and plays they, for my my Phoenix Suns, but he doesn't actually play a whole lot. It's
2: just funny because like with a guy like him, it's like so... I mean, a team can go into a game knowing this. Like, surely that's on, like, every scouting report. This dude is long. He can block shots. But it's still deceptive. Like, for some reason, it's still always deceptive to me of, like, how long he actually is. Because, um, I mean, it doesn't just, like, strike you immediately. Of, like, oh, this guy's like, just going to be such a, like, such a force inside defensively. And then he is. I don't know. I think that um, he's completely, like, like you said the glue guy like you take him out of the picture in some of these games I mean I don't think that, that Stanford game I really I mean he was terrific yeah I Stanford don't game. think they win that Stanford game without him I don't even think they get close to winning and by that I say I think like I don't I think Stanford pulls away without Chandler Lawson in that game he's that glue guy that you need he's not going to jump right off the right out at you of like oh this guy like is like he's, whenever you think of this Arkansas team, you're like, oh, Trevor Brazil, Caleb Battle, uh, Devo Davis. Just that, that, it's like Chandler Lawson's that dude who he's just out there doing what he's got to do to help the team win, man.
1: I looked up on Sports Reference. I love doing this, the player game finder. I did a search, so it goes back, it only goes back to 2010, 2011 season until now. I looked up the last time, uh, an Arkansas player had at least seven points, eight rebounds, and six blocks. It was actually last season, Mikel Mitchell did it, but the guy who did it before Mikel was Daniel Gafford. Like he's kind of put himself – like Chandler's probably – he doesn't have the points, obviously, that that a Gafford was putting up. But since 2010, 2011, the guys to have at least that stat line in the game, Delvon Johnson, blast from the past right there. Bobby Portis, Moses Kingsley, Daniel Gafford, Mikel Mitchell. Chandler Lawson's putting himself into some into some pretty good pretty good company right there. And I'm I'm totally with L. Ellis and Trevin Brazil. I think he's one of the, the top glue guys around. Because if you I mean, at this point, he's faced a couple of All-Americans this year and has more than held his own. And you could say that he won those matchups with Zach Eady, of all people, and then Filipowski. Chandler Lawson's... He's been... What a... What a... Jim. A late... I think I wrote a late-June Jim. Yeah. From the transfer portal. He's just been phenomenal. It's,
2: yeah, it's just so weird. Like, you're talking about, like, it's these, like, studs that he's doing. It. It's, like, not that you're, like... Like, this... Oh, this guy who's a top-tier SEC, like, big or something. It's, like na- like, national, like... Stud bigs. It's like almost like oh, what happens if they go against a Hunter Dickinson? I'm like oh, I'd take Chandler Lawson. It's like at this point you just <laughs> kind of trust point, yeah, him. And you, you're
1: like yeah, you think he can more than hold his own. Yeah. <laughs> a couple other things of note I wanted to get to: 17 assists on 26 made shots. Exactly what Eric Musselman was looking for. I think sometimes we can get a little bit too caught up though in like the assist numbers. Was I, I think you can have good ball movement. And still a lack of assists because it's assists are twofold, right? It's it's the ball handler finding a teammate for a shot, and then the second part of it is like the teammate just got to make the shot. Mm-hmm. So I could set up Ethan in the corner, wide open. He could shoot it off the side of the backboard. I set up a good shot,
2: but and okay. it
1: just it won't go down. Yeah, and so you don't get an assist on it, even though it was a good shot and you're moving the ball. And
2: you track potential assists a yeah. lot of times, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. First of all, I just gotta say, if it is, if you kicked it to me in the corner, that's a possibility. But if you hit me in the on the wing, I'm not clanking it off the back of it. Just like let's. <laughs> I would hope not.
1: That would be a bad yeah, miss. Yeah. Let's
2: just. I mean, maybe in, in even then, I think we probably need to reverse roles. I'm the passer in this situation. Um. I'm. Yeah. Anyways, all that to say, I, I'm right there with you. I think that it's so funny because you can have a guy like L. Ellis, who you'll see at the end of the game. He had six assists yesterday. I mean, I haven't tracked it yet. You might have or might not I've have. Got it was it a, on a,
1: I've got it on a notebook. It was a long bag, night, guys. We, I'm sure I missed a couple.
2: <laughs> but LLS, it's crazy because you have a dude like him who can get six assists in a game, and then you you could track like potential assists of like, oh, a guy just didn't make a shot. And all of a sudden, a guy like him could... like, th- th- There's assists still even out there. It, it's, I think assists are a really tricky stat, honestly, Agreed. because it's just... Uh, you have to put value... If a guy is a high assist guy, you have to note it because, I mean... Clearly, he's making good passes. But at the same time, I think there can be really good passers who their assist totals aren't that high. I mean, LLs at Louisville last year, I'm sure there were some. But why do
1: you think his assists weren't high? Because his teammates couldn't make shots.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm saying like, there's guys like He averaged over four a game, but if he had teammates
1: that were, you know, Mm -hmm. threats, like big-time threats, he could have – I mean, that number could have been
2: seven or eight. But 17-10 to Arkansas in assists over Duke um, in – Caleb Battle had five as well. Um, Two stats that jumped out to me were the, I mean, I looked at assists. I was like, okay, they clearly were like passing the ball around great. There were a couple possessions. I think there's one in the first half that ended with a three-pointer, I want to say, by either Battle or TB, which that's probably a cop-out saying one of the two they hit combined seven threes, but, but there was one possession that I just remember was such good ball movement and, like, it just kinda of brought the roof down that they like had that possession and and scored. I think it was a corner three by one of the two. But um that that stood out to me, how well the ball was moving. And then defensive rebound I know Arkansas gave up eleven offensive boards, but you still overall in the game out rebounded these guys by six and had thirty five defensive boards. So yeah, I just thought that the couple a couple areas that you I, I think haven't been that great, especially in the Bahamas, seemed like um at least for one night, at least for one night against a really good team was pretty good.
1: The ball movement was also really good on a possession against zone where I think all five guys ended up touching it. Devo rose up for a jumper, found Chandler Lawson and then he slipped by the last defender at the rim for a layup. That was really good. Um, Trying to think if there was anything like any other possessions that really stood out. It was, you know, the one, the, the three that, Caleb Battle hit to put Arkansas up 14. It's Ellis drive, kick to the corner to maybe Trevin Brazil. Makes the extra pass. And before the pass is even made, Eric Musselman at the time, when the ball was in the corner, was sitting on the bench. When the pass gets is starting to be made, he jumps up and he's pointing at Caleb Battle. The ball finds KB, buries it, shimmies for the second time in, in a few minutes. I that love was, seeing him have those
2: moment. moments because we we'll- – I mean, it's just it's fun to see it come to fruition. As far as like we just said, like this dude is your swag guy, that he's just, and he's like TB, like I mentioned, who came out and just made some big shots. It was like he was ready for that moment. He was like, sign me the heck up. I am playing in front of a huge crowd. I want the ball in my hands. I want to take shots. It was it was cool to see how into it he was. I mean, he makes some shots, and you talked about the shimmies. It was just like he was in. He was in his own little world that he yeah. was in. I mean, I,
1: I, I wrote a sidebar on him last night. I wrote that he was in his element. Yeah. I mean, that's another line that I used was like, that's undoubtedly, a, like Wednesday night was undoubtedly the kind of night that he probably envisioned when, you know, he committed to, to Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Sticking with um, Caleb Battle, Um Five boards, I think, were one shy of matching a season high. The five assists, which I mentioned. So I was tracking potential assists live last night. In the first half, Califf had six points and four assists. Those four assists had led to 11 more points. So Arkansas is up 33, 32 at halftime, and Califf battles accounted for 17 of Arkansas's points. He was really good. Like you can say what you want about his shot selection, I'm not going to disagree with you. Probably, like at times it can be. It's like Eric said last night. It's a little bit JD Notay-ish. Mm-hmm. and like he puts up a shot, and you're like, "Oh no, what are you doing?" And it goes in, and you're like, "Oh, good, good, really good shot." The first three that he hit that off the dribble three that put him up eight was. I mean, that was him. Yeah, that's 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 him. Kind of getting back to his roots. I feel like on the playgrounds and in jersey and then him just shimmying and then running back down court tongue out just vibing is just that's his I love that swagger about him
2: another dude who had swagger that was so huge to the game like I mean it's kind of I feel like it's taken it was big at the time and then you kind of forgot about it by games and Jeremiah Davenport hitting two threes before the end of the first half was so big I mean I felt like Duke had finally gotten in a little bit of a rhythm and Arkansas needed a counter and dude knocks down two big shots. So there were several guys just playing with that swagger. I mean, this team has some guys I think that will like that, like love the big moment.
1: For sure. KB's one of them. He finished with twenty-one points for the fourth time this season. The five assists created fourteen points. So he's a K he counted for thirty-five points last night. He was he was really good. He was I wrote that he was electric. I thought he was, especially, you know, those big momentum shots that he hit. It was the first three to put him up eight. It was the driving score and semi-transition that put him up ten for the first time. And then he hits the three seconds after, like Eric points, points at him to like get this man mm-hmm. the freaking basketball and let him knock down one of those shots. And then when we went and talked to Kaywood after the game, kind of went and stood in that spot where I'm gonna say it was a approximate location of both shimmies. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just a big fan of that. And if you want pictures of those exact moments.
2: It got Hank Layton. Hank
1: Layton got him.
2: Yeah, it got Hank Layton to last night. Those moments did for
1: sure. And um, I got I got a text from my wife during the game. Uh, they came back. ESPN came back from a commercial break, and Chris Budden got straight into the Caliph battle story about his grandma locking him in the gym when he was little. Go find Hogs Illustrated. With Caleb battle cover story,
2: spoiler alert: Scotty I, had it first.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, one guy we haven't talked about, and I think it was just one of those nights where, and I think the crowd had a big part in this. Just like everybody was having a good game, and some guys were doing things that you don't normally see. One guy that stood out to me was Makai Mitchell. There was a, there was a sequence in the second half where he went up against Filipowski and i haven't really seen makai mitchell move his body this way it was a real acrobatic move he went under the basket and then kind of turned all the way around and laid it off the glass and it went in i'm like like i don't remember seeing him move like that before and then uh i think it was just a couple minutes later he's in the paint he fakes a pass it was just a little fake it cleared everybody out when he made that little fake and then he's by himself in the paint and just uh shoots that little jumper, and it goes in. And I'm like, man, if Makai Mitchell is making shots
1: like this, it's just Arkansas's night, you know. That is exactly what I said to Tom Murphy last night. I was like, luck is – like, fortune. good fortune is on your side. Makai Mitchell is out here banging jump shots.
2: How crazy is it that dude played 10 minutes and had a four fouls in those minutes, but plus, but Arkansas was plus 12? Like, I'm like, how does that math math? The it it four does. Four fouls. It, it doesn't. Yeah, the team is plus 12. And – Mikai Mitchell, though, I mean, huge game. He was really good.
1: One more thing on Caliph Battle. Um, I like him. I, I like him as a player a lot, if y'all can't tell. Courtesy of Hogstats, first Arkansas player with 20-plus 20, 20 points and five assists off the bench against an AP Top 10 team since Gennaro Pargo in 2002. I don't know. I think Caleb was – born at that point but he's probably he's very
2: much still in diapers (laughs) grandma is at that point just holding him
3: for sure just she locked him in the crib with the little nerf basketball
1: (laughs) what a I mean what a woman yeah um l ellis i guess we can we can start to wrap it up with l ellis he admitted after the game wednesday that he was in his head in the bahamas and I can tell you first and foremost, 100%. I mean, he played, I think, a grand total of 36 minutes, didn't have an assist, turned the ball over too much, went 0 of 10 from the floor. And then last night, he misses his first four shots. So you have to go back to the UNC Greensboro game, the last shot that he took in that game, to find a time when L. Ellis saw a ball go through a net like from the field and he missed 14 straight shots. And then in this, to start the second half, I think he got three buckets in like no time. And it's almost like, it almost felt like he got his bag back. And I think he had an assist early in that second half. And he just, you could see his confidence in that swagger coming back.
3: Well, to props, to, props to L for for playing through that and not getting too discouraged. Cause yeah, like you said, I think it was, it was super early in the game. And I'm thinking, you know, no Tremont Mark. Arkansas needs llS to score some points you know belis kept talking about all the bagels that he had he kept using that word um I've I've always used goose egg you know but belis was stuck on bagel I think he said it like five or six times in the game but um he comes out he that first shot that he missed was like really he he it was a really pretty drive and he just bangs it off the backboard so hard and I'm like oh no you know he's still he's still stuck he, he just he's like you said he, he hasn't seen the ball go through the net in a long time but uh props to him for for sticking with the game plan and not getting too discouraged and just continuing to play and it, it finally clicked for him
2: I thought it was encouraging to see him have that type of game and still have more than just a role for late blocker that that can coexist like keeping yeah. late blocker because he was big too I mean Everybody who played for the Razorbacks yesterday, I feel like contributed in some way. I mean, Devo. it's funny whenever Devo Davis is one, you're like, oh, he played. Like, it was so quiet. But it's like even, I don't know, it's just like up and down the lineup, it's just like everybody contributed. And it was, was, I mean, I think encouraging for any fan out there to see just the number of bodies who saw the floor against Duke and had good things happen. And granted, Devo left the game early. He was bloodied in the head a little bit on the fall. I mean... That messes you up a little bit. It's just it's um, it felt like everybody contributed.
1: Even Jalen Graham and Bayfall. I mean, Jalen Graham, two fouls in almost no time, but he had a steal. Bayfall got scored on his first defensive possession. Goes back down the floor. Gets an offensive rebound. I mean, I think you're I think you're right. Everybody pitched in, in some way. Going back to L for a minute, um, the block that he had last night was like when I play basketball in the living room with my four-year-old on the Fisher-Price goal, and I'm just got your got the arm cocked back like this, just waiting on him to let go of it so I don't hurt his hand, just make sure it gets out of his hand first, and you just – and he knocked it off somebody's head, and it got uh, – Arkansas regained <laughs> possession. It was the craziest thing. Um, one more thing. I think you saw – or we found out – like the perfect example of the value that a Keith Smart brings to Arkansas's coaching staff. Like obviously he has a wealth of basketball knowledge. Like he's, he knows more about ball than any of us will ever know. L is in his head coming back from Atlantis before the Duke game in the days leading up to it. Keith Smart clips a bunch of plays from L playing really well against Duke last season. And it just—he just told him go play your game, quit thinking too much, be instinctive. And then L finished with nine points, six assists, one block, and no turnovers. I mean, how's that that for giving
2: confidence to somebody, man?
1: That is that is a goat coaching move right there. And that I think in a nutshell is kind of the the value of a of a Keith Smart on your staff. Y'all got anything else? Anybody got, that we missed on?
3: I got a quick question for you. Um, what's your block percentage against your kids? Is it 100%? Um,
1: yes. It is 100%.
2: Let me guess. You kick it to them to the corner, and they also hit it off, because <laughs> everybody you pass it to just <laughs> <laughs> clanks it off the side of the backboard. Oh, that is funny. Yeah.
1: yeah I, um, I missed out on a perfect chance in Atlanta, so – there's obviously there's gift shops all around the place. And I got the hat that I wore on the podcast Monday, got it from there, got my wife a hat and I missed, I'm so mad at myself. They had these little basketballs like that you would play with on one of those Fisher Fisher price goals. It was battle for Atlantis 2023 specific with all the team logos and stuff on it. And I didn't get my boys one. So that was the, that was about the only L I took in Atlanta. You fumbled the bag there. you got to insert
2: the womp, womp, womp music in there.
1: (laughs) But I also spent money on two hats, and so I dropped another bag there in the gift store. But um, all in all, really fun trip, really good response from from Arkansas against Duke. I think we've probably talked this game through enough.
2: Hey, we said if they get a win, we'll be back in here. And once again, I apologize for being our one voice of negativity and predicted a double-digit loss. Prove me wrong without Tremont Mark too I Well, fairly that
1: that may be the most impressive thing of the night right that you did all this without without your leading score I mean it's not just your leading score it's a guy that gets you 18 and a half a night
2: yep. and uh, that's I mean John Shire let me pull it up real quick he right off the bat um yeah it was like in his first few lines what he said we have a lot of respect for their talent coaching and what they do even with Mark being out we knew it would be an incredibly difficult game
1: he also had a bar. Last night, where he was like, Bud Walton Arena is just a different kind of thing. And then he said, Arkansas played like a team that needed each other. Mm-hmm. My gosh, dude! Like, if you're Eric Musselman, that's got to make you happier almost than the win itself. That a coach is, is saying that about your guys that he can, you know, he can just see that togetherness that that your team had, you know, in a in a big time environment. I, I feel like they they definitely played that way. I, I came away really impressed with with john shire i guess before we get out of here you were in shire's press conference what were your kind of your takeaways from him
2: man that's a guy that you just like you hate that you see duke across his chest i think i feel like as any like i mean they're kind of the the villain of college basketball they have been he's such a nice guy though man. he makes them a
1: little bit less hateable
2: <laughs> he's like i mean he's your actually this is now uh people wouldn't agree anymore because of kind of how he changed over his Kentucky crew. But he's first your Oscar way who you're like, man, why you gotta be this way and then play for Kentucky. I know that things changed there, but uh yeah. but he's the same way as far as I was just like, man, you're really impressive. He was so like, um but I, I just always have respect for a coach who immediately, first thing to do is credit the other team in in a very like genuine way. It was so genuine that he thought that like Arkansas played a really good game. He was he said that he like that's why you do why you play college basketball is for like games like that and environments like that. Um he said it's why you go to Duke. I mean, I I just thought that he was really impressive. And clearly he was upset that he didn't think his team played well. No coach of the seventh-ranked team is gonna be just all, you know, everything Skittles and Rainbows after a loss to an unranked team. But he, I think, understood this is an Arkansas team that and we and it was in an environment that just a little bit different than maybe an unranked like, or how many, like how many of our votes they were receiving like, yeah, I think he knew this is a better team than that um, so I think he stayed very like, lived in reality world a little bit better than some other coaches may have. So
3: uh, one thing we haven't talked about um, the. Inaugural SEC-ACC Challenge finished in a tie. It was seven, seven wins for the yeah, SEC, seven that? wins for the ACC.
1: They got to run it back.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, man, if you're part of the committee or whatever, whoever picks these games, you got to think. Rematch next year?
2: Well, they got they got 15 ACC teams, 14 SECs, so maybe you just pick. Who's the better between Texas OU right now?
1: I don't know. Oklahoma just popped into the top 25 recently. You just
2: pick whoever, whatever ACC team didn't play and then get them to play OU or Texas, and then that can be the decider.
3: I just think you gotta. I think you gotta run it back too. I think Arkansas is probably gonna play Duke at at Cameron Indoor Cameron next Indoor. year.
1: I don't think anybody'd be interested in that, Blake. I mean, not at all. That would be pretty fun.
3: Well, you know, I mean, you know, those Duke fans—they want another another crack at Arkansas for sure. Well, Arkansas also went ahead in the all-time series three to two. I saw so. Yeah. Maybe uh, Duke will have a chance right next year.
1: I know they haven't like I've I've seen or I've covered the last two Arkansas Duke games but that it, it's kind of wild that that was Arkansas's first win over Duke since the 94 title game. Uh, that just that sounds
2: it was everything crazy. about the game was just poetic it felt like like I mean 30 year anniversary. We've said this. It was just like all things culminated in a really memorable night.
1: A moment in time, I think. I think that pretty much sums it up.
2: And we came back for the pod, like we said. We we keep our word around here.
1: We did, for sure. Um, Appreciate you guys tuning in for our second basketball podcast of Mid-America of the week. Happy that I could throw this bad boy on for for this episode. Tried to do it on Monday. Could not find the shirt anywhere. Couldn't find it, but my wife did. She's a saint. She's a saint anyway. She didn't have to be a saint before she found the shirt find the shirt to be a saint but thank you guys for joining us uh, we will be back next week after arkansas plays Furman before arkansas goes to tulsa to play oklahoma who is like i just mentioned freshly in the ap top 25 for ethan westerman and blake sutton i'm
0: scotty borderline big piggy
2: big woo you, you know, know how, how we do. do
0: the proceeding has been a production of the Hog sports network Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.